Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Santa Barbara, California. Today, I want to start out by reminding you, as I always do, that there is a website that houses the Wealth Formula Podcast. And not surprisingly, it's called wealthformula.com. And it's a good place to go if you want to uh, engage a little bit more with what we're doing. Lots of uh, resources. There's some webinars sitting there, asset protection, things like that. In addition to that, there's uh, ways to sign up to get closer to our community, whether that is joining our accredited investor club, if you so qualify, or If you really want to take it to the next level in terms of engagement with our audience, with one another, uh, consider joining the private group Wealth Formula Network, which uh, you can learn more about at wealthformularoadmap.com. That is a course. Uh, It starts out with the course, uh, Wealth Formula Roadmap, your roadmap to real wealth. And then in addition to the course, it ends up letting you out into a community of uh, like-minded thinking people where we have a Facebook group and we also have bi-weekly Zoom, uh, Zoom conference calls. Uh, they're not calls or video or whatever you want to call them these days. And, uh, and so that is, uh, you know, that's been pretty valuable, been very popular with the group. And, uh, so it's something to consider if you're uh, wanting more uh, alternative asset and personal finance type education and you want a community, bunch of people who like talking about this stuff. So anyway, again, that is wealthformularoadmap.com. Now, as far as today's show, the question I have for you, and we've talked about this various times recently even, is what gives something value? Now, going back to gold again, gold has been you know, considered valuable since ancient civilization. It's been used as money. It's a store of value as jewelry. Gold is also scarce and it's not easy to mine, right? But listen, at the end of the day, gold is valuable because of a social construct that says it is valuable and that it will continue to be valuable going forward. The longevity of gold's claim to value certainly adds to its standing as a valuable asset because, of course, that's just one more thing that you can say is, listen, you know, 
gold has been around since ancient civilizations and that's uh that's a long time and so uh you know that's why it's valuable and that's why we know it'll be valuable going forward and you know gold bugs who disparage bitcoin um often point to the relative newness of the asset and its lack of track record over time you know after all bitcoin is uh only well, it's, it's you know, just over a decade old. I think it was 2009, the Satoshi Nakamoto paper. And so they say, well, you know, it's new and it's something else come around and take over. I don't really buy that, but that's what they say. And gold has been around for, you know, centuries and centuries is valuable. And so that gives it credence as a longstanding asset to hold in the long term. Now, I'm not arguing that uh, that gold is not uh, does not have value. That's not the case. We've had this discussion many times. We actually had it on our Wealth Formula Network call again yesterday. Is you know going back to some recent podcasts where there was some question about you know maybe you take the uh, the proceeds uh, in from your your cash flowing real estate and put it into gold and and stuff like that and and you know again i i'm not against it i just don't quite get it and i'm still waiting for someone to give me an answer on gold which i see as really the anti dollar right? The hedge, the ultimate hedge against inflation. Well, why is it a better hedge than any other asset that will inflate with inflation like real estate? I don't really get that. Anyway, however, going back to the idea that gold has value in part because it's been valuable for so long in the eyes of society, if we're going to give so much inherent value to uh, this variable of time, it might be reasonable to consider other assets then that have been, you know, valuable for a long time. We've almost certainly been, you know, eating and drinking for longer periods of times than we even have been hoarding precious metals such as gold. And that's why we value rare foods the way we do. I mean, the example, uh, you know, I, I think there is the European white truffle. That's a very good example, right? Uh, you may or may not know this. It's interesting. They grow underground. And in order to find them, they need to be sniffed out by special dogs and pigs. Uh, they uh, cannot be commercially cultivated, right? So this is a truly a, a mind type of mushroom. So how much are people willing to pay for rare food? Well, in 2017, a two-pound specimen sold for $61,250. But I, you know, and I, I love truffles, but really, I don't think I'd pay that. Anyway, I guess it doesn't matter whether you or I would spend that kind of money on a mushroom. Someone will, and that's why European white truffles are so darn expensive. They're more expensive per pound than, than gold. So that brings us to something else that we know can get pretty pricey pretty quickly. That's wine. Now, I like wine, but I'm certainly no wine connoisseur. I pretty much put wine into two categories. Either I like it or I don't like it. And that's not because I don't value, you know, or I think there's something wrong with people who value it. I just, you know, that, that's all I know about wine. I may know a little bit more about bourbon, but, uh, you know, it's not usually as valuable as wine. Of course, buying and selling fancy wine has been, for the most part, the purview of the wealth. You know, it's not something that most people kind of do on a daily basis, buy and sell wine. 
However, as we've seen recently in assets such as rare cars, technology is, uh, you know, it's allowing for the democratization of many of those investments, like, like I said, rare cars or art that were simply too expensive for most people to participate in in the past. Now, there is a new company now called Vinovest, uh, which is doing just that for investment quality wine. So whether you're an investor or you just like drinking this stuff, you're going to get a lot out of this podcast today as we interview a very interesting entrepreneur and founder of Vinovest, Anthony Zhang. And we will have that interview right after these messages. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest and Wealth Formula podcast is Anthony Thang. Uh, Anthony just turned 26, but has already successfully built a couple of companies, uh, secured funding from Mark Cuban and Mark Burnett, and also received a Thiel Fellowship grant. So all really good stuff there. Not only that, but you know he's worked hard to overcome a uh, devastating accident that left him paralyzed from his neck down. The Los Angeles Business Journal recently described him as the epitome of a dogged entrepreneur. And Liz Clayman described his story as one of the most inspiring she'd ever heard. Now, Anthony is the founder and CEO of his third company called VinoVest, which is a platform that has been described as the Robin Hood of wine investing, and he's making it easier for people to access this wealth-building asset class. Anthony, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, great. So, you know, you've done a lot. You're only 26. Tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, how did you uh, get to where you are today? Yeah, so I um, I was I was born in the states, but actually spent most of my life abroad. Uh, so, would spend most of my time between Beijing, Hong Kong, uh, some time in Europe as well. Um, and I came here for high school and college. And really, I think that entrepreneurial spirit was in me pretty much my whole life because I um, got in trouble with teachers a lot. Didn't really do well with authority. And I just like doing things my own way. So uh, I think it was something that I'd always wanted to do. And when I went to college at USC, I applied there specifically for their entrepreneurial program with the goal of being able to start a company right after college. Right, right. So then what, what was the first company? 
So my first real company was a food delivery app called Envoy Now. And I started that freshman year, first semester at USC. Um, like a lot of college students, I was just hungry and lazy and um, wanted to have a better solution for food delivery on campus. Uh, so that was the one where um, we had 100% student network, which meant that students could really get into the buildings uh, where other students lived, really saw that last mile, that last few hundred feet that made a delivery that much more convenient. And, um, you know, we were able to pitch Mark Cuban and Mark Burnett when they came to our campus as guest speakers. And that was really the night that completely changed the trajectory of, of the company and also completely changed my belief in terms of if I needed to even complete college or not to be able to have a good business. Sure, sure. And then, and then you sold that, I presume, or you, what, what happened? Yeah, now? so we uh, worked on that business for almost four years, grew it out to 22 campuses nationwide. We had a couple hundred thousand students using the app and eventually got acquired by a company called Joyrun. Um, and last year, Joyrun was acquired by Walmart. Cool, cool. And then, and then there's a second company after that, right? Yeah, so the second one really started more as a side project. It was called Know Your VC. Um, and it was in, founded in late, I'd say summer of 2017. So back then, you know, it was just coming out with stuff with Harvey Weinstein, the whole Me Too movement. Uh, and the same thing was happening in the startup and venture capital industry. A lot of really, really brave entrepreneurs from um, maybe minority backgrounds or female entrepreneurs were coming out with these terrible, terrible experiences with VCs that were completely abusing their power you know, either racially discriminating or sexually harassing these founders. And it just made me sick because, uh, you know, as, as an Asian guy, I didn't really have any of those problems. You know, I really felt lucky and privileged to uh, have gone through the fundraising process for the investors, not having too many other troubles like that. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, but these other founders, a lot of them, which I knew, a lot of the investors I knew, uh, were, were turned out to be bad actors. And I thought there should be a little more accountability in space. So know your VC is essentially like a Yelp or a glass sure. door for rate venture capitalists. Cool. So what happened with this, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about the accident that uh, seems like it sort of made a big difference uh, in your life uh, and some paralysis. Uh, when did that happen during this whole? So this was, I'd say, about two or three years into building Envoy now. So Mm -hmm. Uh, this was back in 2016, about five years ago. Um, so just kind of celebrated that five year milestone of being alive from that injury. But essentially I broke my neck diving into a pool, which instantly, um, you know, severed my spinal cord at the C5 vertebrae. So uh, I'm a quadriplegic. I cannot move anything really below my shoulders. I'm lucky to have regained a little bit of motion back in my arms, but um, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a permanent de and devastating injury that has a lot more, a lot more implications than just the paralysis. Sure. Tell me about how that's affected your entrepreneurial spirit. I think the main thing that that injury has taught me is that you really need to have perspective, right? Like I was really felt like I was flying high, you know, nothing could really touch me type of mentality. And um, you know, suddenly not being able to move, you know, being on a ventilator, not even able to breathe or eat or drink or do anything, uh, really, really kind of brought me back to ground zero, right? It really had to 
decide what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I think it was pretty clear to me that if I could go through this rehab and stay alive and be able to persevere through a lot of really, really rigorous physical therapy and occupational therapy, um, really gives you perspective on like what real problems are and, um, wanting to dedicate the rest of my life to be able to solve real problems for other people. Right. Right. Absolutely. So when and how did wine come up into this, uh, into your, uh, into your life? Yeah. So, um, I'd always been interested in wine, but really like most people, it was pretty intimidating to me. Didn't really know much, but I think it was back in 2016. I was just reading an article about alternative assets and how, um, you know, they're really rising and a lot of platforms were making it more accessible for people to access alternative assets that were traditionally only for ultra wealthy people. Right. Um, and one of them was investing in wine. And I learned that the returns were better than the S and P and in terms of looking into the fundamentals, it just really, really made sense. Right. A lot of wines, you know, they age, they get better with age, they get more expensive with age. Then you also have just the pure supply and demand dynamic where people are consuming bottles as time goes on. So not only is it an asset that appreciates in value, it also has less and less supply as the wine gets older, which makes it more rare, you know, also then props up the demand. So it was a very simple dynamic that I could understand and maybe want to get behind it. So I'm curious about it. Were you like a wine guy yourself or was this more just looking at, you know, as, as we discussed, every entrepreneur I talked to and myself included, we all kind of see a lot of these uh, businesses as really just solutions to problems or inefficiencies and systems. Was there an interest in wine? I'm curious, uh, were you really into it or was this just purely a, you know, a solution or uh, an inefficiency in the system? I have always been really, really into wine. So when okay. I was you know, growing up in Beijing and Hong Kong, it was really during that era where like Bordeaux and Burgundy wine were really sweeping through yeah. you know, that the country and the continent, right? And like, I've always kind of been familiar with the fact that like, all right, you know, go to someone's house, really how nice of a bottle of wine you bring kind of determines how much you like them or want to impress them. So I kind of saw that like value culturally um, that wine always had. And this kind of almost brought everything full circle for me when I was looking into yeah. just a place to put my money. But I was like, Hey, if I can learn more about wine and make money, it's kind of a home run for me. Yeah, for sure. So d- tell us why fine wine now, why is it a compelling investment? Obviously you talked about beating the S and P 500, but you know, in, in the alternative space, we can say that about a lot of stuff, right? Why oh. wine? Why now? I think right now we're at this really interesting point where investors are just becoming a lot more active in terms of what they want in their portfolio, right? There's Mm -hmm. the 60, 40 stocks and bonds is gone, right? Everyone is like trying out new things, allocating more and more into alternative assets. And a lot of them are very, very speculative, right? You've got got crypto, you've got these kind of short-term loans, you've got maybe other things that are um, very, very speculative in nature, but wine has been something that is not a new asset class, right? It's been around for, for thousands of years. <laughs> only, yeah. Longer only, than gold probably. Right. Yeah. So. Right. It's like even during like the, the Roman times, right? The soldiers, they would fight, they win. And what do they get paid? It They get paid in wine. Um, so um, it's something that I think 
needs to be unlocked, especially with the shift of so many retail investors wanting to be more active with their portfolios. And here we have this asset class that has only been kind of available to ultra wealthy and we just want to bring it to the masses. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a wine guy. I like wine. I have no idea. You know, I'm like, oh, that's, that tastes good. Uh, that's good. That's bad. That's about all I know. Um, and traditionally, uh, wine has been the domain of the wealthy. So, you know, obviously what this is an attempt in some ways to democratize that. I mean, if you're investing in wine, you probably got to know a little bit about it. How do you identify an investment grade wine and, you know, what kind of resources are out there to help people learn more? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, when I came into the space, I knew what I'd like to drink, but that's not necessarily the same thing as like what you should invest in, right? So uh, our team, we take a very, very quantitative approach. Uh, we're looking at price history. We're looking at factors that Im- impact price. So supply and demand. We also look at critic scores for newer wines. We look at harvest reports as well to be able to predict and determine future price appreciation. And we use those algorithms, but on the customer facing side, you don't need to know all that. You don't need to know why we're, why we're buying wine from 2018 versus 2019. All we need to know from you. And I think any sort of investor looking into a new asset class is a, how much you want to invest, right? Say a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars B how long you're planning on holding it for. So what your time horizon is. And then the final is what's your risk appetite, right? Are you really, wanting to go aggressive with this investment because your other investments are, you know, maybe relatively stable. You feel good about them. Or are you really using this as a hedge and you want to be a little more conservative to counter the volatility of whatever else is in your portfolio? So I think those are three things that any investor should consider before going into any market. And for us, we take those inputs. Our algorithm then is able to output a recommended portfolio for the customers and boom, you know, they're in the market. So, you know, I, I like to kind of get a, give people an idea exactly what it looks like. So is it vinovest.com? Uh, .co. .co. And, okay. Yeah. So vinovest, like V-I-N-O, vest, V-E-S-T, .co. And so, okay, so say I'm interested in this. I go to that site. What am I going to see? Is it is it like a platform or is this just where you were talking about where you start inputting what you're interested in? Yeah. So once you sign up, we take you through a a quick onboarding quiz, right? Then we ask those three questions, right? Say you're like, all right, I want to invest $10,000. I want to hold it for say eight years and I want to be pretty aggressive with it. So once we get those inputs, put in $10,000 and what our algorithm will do is start identifying wines in the market that match that criteria. Mm -hmm. We're then in the background actually going and buying those wines, putting them into our warehouses and then we are insuring those. So we're the ones that take care of the wine for you. You don't need a wine seller. You don't need to worry about shipping. And then you get this really easy online dashboard where you can view what bottles of wine they are, why we pick them for you, you know, their price charts over time and, you know, really learn about your investments after that. Um, But essentially what we've got for you is like a virtual wine seller that's completely secure. You know, we want to be able to replicate the ease of experience as most people are expecting today with stocks. So when you go, you said you asked some onboarding questions. Do you have to be an accredited investor to participate? You don't. So the cool thing is that you're just buying wine. You're not buying a security. You're not buying it into a fund. 
anybody who's 21 years old in the States can be a VNOVS investor. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, you know, some, some suggested stuff pops up on the screen and you can decide, I'll buy this. I don't want to buy this. Or do you, or do you just kind of just say, okay, I'm going to throw 10 grand at it. And then you guys go buy it or. Yeah. It's the latter. So like, you're like, Hey, I want to throw 10 grand at it. And then boom, we just buy it for you. Got it. Okay. So now the wine that you bought, you guys buy it and you put it in the warehouse. Where's the warehouse? And tell us about the warehouse. Cause this is no simple task, right? Yeah. Right. The, one of the biggest risks of investing in wine is proper storage, right? You, um, so we've got warehouses all around the world. Most of them are in Europe since the world's best wines are still in you know, France and Italy and stuff like that. And these are really top of the line bonded professional wine storage facilities. So perfect climate, away from sunlight, away from vibration, perfect temperature. And we've also got really robust insurance in case, you know, someone drops it, there's something crazy that happens at the warehouse. Um, and like, for example, in our UK, our storage in the UK, uh, the British Royal family actually uses the same company that we use. So it's really, really the best that you can get. Got it. Okay. So now you've got this stuff sitting in and presumably, uh, you know, how do you, how do you track your investments? So we have an easy dashboard that you can log into anytime and our prices are live. So you can see at any given moment what the value of your wine is today and what it was three months ago, six months ago and stuff like that. Um, now, obviously not as volatile as the stock market. So, you know, we won't have people day trading wine just yet, but um, it is something that people check in, you know, every month or every quarter to see how their investment is doing. Okay. So you had your 10 grand in it. A couple years later, it looks like it's 20 grand. You're like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm done. I want to sell this now. Do you just push the sell button or how do you do that? Because you got to find a buyer too, right? Yeah. So we we're essentially a marketplace, right? We're buying from people every day. We're selling to people every day. So we're able to then just dynamically through our platform, match you up with the highest buyer. Boom. You know, we'll handle the logistics after the sale. That's really something that the buyer really takes care of. But for you, you know, you got your exit. So you want to sell half your portfolio or your whole portfolio and you're, you're good to go. So we want to really make this as simple as possible. The next question I have for you out of curiosity, because, you know, I've had some platforms like similar ones, but for things like luxury cars, you know, or race cars or art. At one point or another, can you actually take delivery of what you bought? Absolutely. So I think that's the coolest thing, right? Like wine is actually a tangible asset with utility, right? Someone at the end of the day has got to drink it. And if you decide, say, in that same scenario, five years later, you're like, all right, I have 20 grand worth of wine. Maybe they'll drink 10 grand of it. We'll ship it to you. <laughs> that's literally, so take, that's literally taking it off the table, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is literally drinking your profits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called depreciation. And, and unfortunately, I don't think you'd be able to write that off. Yeah, that would be hilarious, right? You drink a bottle, claim it as a loss. I'm sure people have tried. It's depreciating, right? Cool. Tell me, how is it going right now with this business? Is this uh, just, uh, uh, you just launched it? It's been out for a while? Yeah, so we've been out for almost two years now. And, you know, really, I think the pandemic has absolutely accelerated our growth to pretty crazy levels. You know, we're, we're getting thousands of investors coming in every month and, you know, wanting to not only just test it out, but put in more and more because they're seeing great returns. They realize that the stock market is 
getting more and more volatile and they're seeing this as a safe place to be able to park some funds for the long run. And, um, that's, that's really what wine is, right? It's not, um, it's not going to be the most volatile asset. It's stable. You just let it age, let other people consume it, mm-hmm. let the supply go down and your assets going to go up. In terms of how you're, how does VinoVest actually make money? Are you just basically a retailer at this point? So we make money through our management fees. So mm-hmm. in order to cover our storage, our insurance, yep. and just you know the algorithm being able to make decisions for you. Sure. Essentially just like a traditional AUM fee. Got it. Got it. Very good. Okay. What am I missing? There's there's gotta be a lot to this business that I have no clue because I don't I don't know much about wine. I know more about bourbon. Should do this with bourbon, I'd be in. But bourbon. Yeah, we, I'm glad you brought that up because we have a whiskey vest. <laughs> you uh, do. Okay. Because a lot of our wine investors, you know, they also like to drink bourbon or, or scotch. Yeah. Right? Or Although they, there's not much of an aging thing with the whiskey stuff, though. I mean, I mean, it's in a barrel over a period of time, and once it's there, boom, right? Is there is there more than that? Uh, there is a little more than that. So, like, with you're right with the cask or the barrels, right? Like the age of the barrel and how long it's being aged there is a huge difference right, between an 18 year or a 20 yeah. year or 25 yeah. year, huge price difference. But then a lot of these bottles, you know, they're com- coming from distilleries that are discontinued or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a special mission. And there's still that same like supply and demand rarity factor where, yeah, you're, you're right in that the whiskey doesn't really change much after it's bottled, but people are still drinking it. Right. And people still want it. And if you can't make it anymore, it becomes that much more special. So, um, whiskey investing is definitely something that VinoVest, you know, is going to get into. And we've started piloting with a few customers that, you know, they already own like a big cask of whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm curious, one other thing, I guess, when you talk about the, the buyers, right, if, if somebody's trying to exit out of this, this type of platform actually might be a good place for people who are interested in buying some rare wines that's sort of curated already. That's rare whiskey and that kind of thing, too. Do you have people who just go there just to buy stuff to drink it? Um, so I think on the buy side, it's definitely people looking for consumption, right? It could yeah. be an importer looking to bring it to a new country and just sell it to retailers could be a retailer, could be another asset manager that thinks the wine still has more life to go to appreciate, or it could just be a, a, you know, really great collector, right? They're like, Hey, this wine is really appreciated. It's really nearing its peak drinking window and I want to drink it. So um, a lot of people are buying for different reasons at VinoVest. We welcome them all as long as we're matching them up with the highest price. We're doing the right thing by, by our customers. Sounds good, man. So again, it's uh, VinoVest.co, C-O. And uh, is there other things that we can uh, go to to learn more? Um, so we've got a pretty great resource uh, center on our website. And, you know, anyone that listens to this podcast, if they just mention, mention you, we'd be happy to give them their first month free to try it out. So zero management fees on their first month. Fantastic. Anthony Zhang, everybody. Anthony, thanks for being on the program. And would love to have you back uh, in the future to see how this thing's turning out for you. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Cheers. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the show, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with Anthony, especially, you know, coming in. That's a devastating thing that happened to him. And, uh, but he's still plugging away. And I think it goes back to that whole uh, episode we had not long ago about, you know, people who kind of, they have rough things happen in their lives and, and they can persevere 
right? And that's that whole happiness thermostat or whatever. But Anthony is doing great work. And I think that I will tell you that I think it's a really uh, interesting concept and even something just to play around with. I mean, one of the things that I had in my mind was, well, gosh, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should buy some wine on there, uh, you know, even a few thousand, a couple thousand dollars and wait till it becomes really fancy and they'll know how to store it somewhere. And, and somewhere if I have a special occasion, maybe I, I have them just send it to me. I don't know. Just a thought. But uh, anyway, it's certainly something to consider, whether you're an investor or a wine connoisseur, check out uh, vinovest.co. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.